Hi everyone, welcome to episode 58 of In The Saddle Podcast. This podcast is going to be slightly different to our normal betting previews. There will be winners, don't worry, but our focus will be on the two Pegasus World Cup Invitational Stakes races from Gulfstream on Saturday evening, both grade ones for four-year-old plus. We have a top panel this evening, starting with the Racing Post US Mark, Tom Collins. How's it going, Tom? Yeah, all good. Thank you, Mark. Looking forward to these races on Saturday. Studied the card um, hopefully got a few winners for you all. Good. What's the farm been like over the pond? Yeah, no, it's been very good. Um, this last week or so, we've had a few winners. Um, unfortunately, also a few seconds. I seem to do this, right? I seem to pick a string of four or five winners in a row and then get the bandwagon going on Twitter and the Twitterati messaging me, hammering me for tips. And then I just put up three or four seconds and then, you know, it all quells down and dies down a bit. But Hopefully back to the winners um, this Saturday. The answer to that is the place market on the Betfair Exchange. Very much so. Absolutely love using that. Um, I did actually see a tweet about being on Sky Sports Racing covering Gulfstream and Newcastle on Saturday. Yeah. It's the stuff of dreams, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it's a big mix between Gulfstream and Newcastle, but um, no, it's going to be great fun. I'm, I'm on until about 9.30pm before we take in the NBC um, simulcast, so very much looking forward to that. Amazing. Uh, looks good. Um, and I'll obviously be tuning in for that. We're also joined by Gulfstream's favourite and Fox Sports, Acacia Courtney. Um, did everything go smoothly yesterday, Acacia? Yeah, we drew the fields for the Pegasus World Cup Dirt and Turf. So we did a kind of live draw, myself and Jason Blewett on the Gulfstream feed. And then the racing office drew the balance of the card. So 12 race Saturday, jam-packed, five stakes, of course, highlighted by the two Pegasus races. And the Pegasus kind of a still newer concept in the world of racing. It's in its fifth year, but it's been fun. I've been there for all five of them now. So it's been great kind of being along and seeing it grow. Yeah, it has, um, as I say, makes you think five years ago when the first one, um, is it 2016 or 17, the first one? 17 was the first yeah, one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, five years, yeah, time goes by. But uh, yeah, as I say, uh, as I said to you, obviously just before we did this, you'd imagine you'd be popular with Miguel Silva and Brad Cox after John and Barrio won and four in race 12. Yeah, definitely a little bit tougher there. But going the mile and an eighth at Gulfstream, the, the nine furlongs, so to speak, it's a really short run into the first turn. And I'm sure that's something we'll talk more about um, as we kind of analyze the races. But I would much rather be inside than outside um, at Gulfstream in, in having those spots. So uh, Sleepy Eyes Todd for Miguel Angel Silva, he has a lot of speed anyway. I don't think there's going to be any secret as to what he's going to be doing from the inside post. Um, Arrogate drew post one when he won the inaugural Pegasus World Cup. Uh, once again, I'd much rather be inside than outside going the nine furlongs at Gulfstream. Yeah, the early pace battle in race is going to be very, very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and saving the best to last, Lucky Roaders, how's the form been? Yeah, not bad. Just before we came on air, I just uh, landed the 20 to 1 nap at Wynn Canton in the Somerset National. If anyone's listening to this in America, they're probably like, what the hell is the Somerset National? <laughs> it's just a it's a, it's just a jumps race at a very cold English uh, rural track at Wynn Canton. So hopefully I can transfer some of that to, uh, to the heights of Florida. Uh, all I can say, loaders, is uh, it's about time you back to winner. Let, let's get into Sag's action. We'll start with race 11 at Gulfstream. Uh, it's off at 9.59 UK times. Pegasus World Cup turf invitation of stakes grade one for four-year-old plus. Purse being $630,000. We'll start with the racing post, Tom Collins. What do you like here? Well, I thought it was a wide open contest. Um, obviously, there's no European challenges over, the, over there this year. Zulu Alpha, who won the race last year, isn't in the field. Um, I, think, I think it kind of lacks the class of a normal renewal. 
Um, but there are four Grey Bond winners in there in Next Shares, Storm the Court, Aquaphobia and Say the Word. So, you know, there are a certain few that are proven at the top level. Um, regarding punting, well, I'm not a fan of West Coast shippers down to Florida or, or even New York, in fact. Um, it's just a, a mot- uh, like a, a system that I have. I don't really tend to follow those trained by Peter Miller, Bob Buffett coming over to the, to the East Coast. I know, obviously, they're going to be well touted in the market and whatnot. So I'll be leaving those West Coast slipper, uh, shippers and, and stick to the, the East Coast runners. Um, and Todd Pletcher's trio are the proven horses at the track, aren't they? Um, I, I really like horse form, especially at Goldstream on the turf. Um, and Pletcher's trio has that in abundance. You've got Colonel Liam, who's the likely favourite in the race. He's a big improver after just five starts. He's won three times and gets the assistance of Irad. And he's the best drawn of the Pletcher horses. So the pluses and the positives are there for Colonel Liam. But he's exiting three-year-old contests for the first time um, here. He's, he's facing his older rivals. And just with the fact that he's likely to go off market leader, I think he's probably a lay in the race. Look, he's got plenty of potential and ability, um, but he's just not as proven as, as his stable companions. You've got Largent in there, the second of the Pletcher horses. He won the Fort Lauderdale last time when he was able to stalk off a, off a fast gallop set by Factorless and Halliday. He just went hammering tongs from the start. And Largent proved that day that he can stalk the pace and doesn't have to be on the speed. Um, and he, he won really well. Now, I keep overlooking this horse. I was on Sky Sports um, that day when Largent won. And before the race, I was like, this Largent can't win. Um, he just doesn't have the speed figures there. But he seems to be improving all the time. And now his career record of six wins from nine starts is really starting to catch my eye. But this might, and I'm going to probably be caught out again because I'm going to take him on for like the 10th time from on his 10th start. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did win. Now I'm going to be with the third of the Pletcher horses, Social Paranoia. He is drawn wide in gate 12, which, as the case you said earlier, um, you want to be drawn inside, preferably. But he's a deep closer. I don't think it's going to prove too much of an issue for social paranoia. He's going to be held up early by Luis Sayas. Um, he's a dab hand at the track. We've seen on many, many occasions that Sayas can produce horses from the front, stalking positions, deep closers from the rear. So um, you've got the, the right man on your side there in social paranoia. He's won three times um, and finished third from four starts at the, on this turf course. Um, which, as I mentioned earlier, turf course is, is crucial to my analysis of racing at Goldstream. Um, the latest success came when he was dropped right down in class last time out off a, off a long layoff. Um, the time was really good that day. It was only 0.5 seconds off the track record. And I think his potent late kick can potentially run down the front runners. I think there's plenty of speed in this race. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if social paranoia came from last defense, first undersized. It's currently 8-1 to one, uh, social paranoia at the moment, best price. Uh, large and actually leaves the bank 4-1. Um, social paranoia, I mean, obviously winning an optional claiming company last time out. Um, the layers must have thought they had a chance, obviously, in running. Uh, what price think he was in running on Betfair? He's five wide and under pressure going around the bend. He's actually on cozy on the line. Yeah, exactly. If you're an in running player, then he's the type of horse you want to be getting involved in because, as we've seen on the Betfair exchange over here, punters are keen, especially with US racing, to back horses that are on the speed. Now, obviously having early pace and being in the prime position against the rail or, or stalking on the shoulder of the leader is crucial in your, in your contests. But with a horse like Social Paranoia with such a potent turn of foot, a horse that can come from last to first and has proven on numerous occasions that he's a five-time winner from 16 starts and most of those have come from the rear of the field. He's the type that you'd want to be getting involved with on the exchange because his price is going to drift. Yes, he's 8-1 to one currently. Um, I think he's the same on the morning line in the US as well. During the race, he'll probably go bigger than that. Um, and if you're playing and running, he's the type you want to be getting stuck into. Yeah, it's an interesting angle. Uh, a nice plug for Betfair there, Tom. I like that. Uh, 
he maybe put maybe 12s or 14s uh, and a, a back bet just in before the race and just hope you can get matched. Is he? He is. He is. Are you okay, Casey? Okay, yeah, I'm good. I'm so good the season. Okay. <laughs> I thought it was maybe my accent there or my bet for I'm glad we're back on form. Um, so Tom Collins on social paranoia at 8 to 1. And moving on to Acacia. Um, are you okay now? I'm good. I'm good. My office is a little dusty, so that's uh, it's probably what's going on. Yeah, no worries. So what, what do you like in this race, Acacia? Um, so I, I get Tom's feelings about shippers. Um, for the most part, the rule that I stay with for horses coming to Gulfstream are the ones coming north to south, cold weather to the hot weather. Um, as we often know with with horses, they handle the seasons and the weather a lot better than we do, but they prefer cooler to the really hot. And it's it's been a cooler winter down here at Gulfstream. It hasn't been super, super warm. But the ones shipping down from Woodbine in particular, I always want to see at least a race under their belt before I'm going to bet them. The ones from New York, maybe um, at least a workout shipping down here. I don't know if I have too much of a problem with some of the California shippers, but I do love when they have a chance to come here, get acclimated, maybe school before the race, and just take some time to kind of get Get settled in. I found that that really does make a big difference. Now, another twist of fate really is kind of found his home switching to the turf last time out. Is he going to be able to take that next step forward to the grade one win on grass today? That I don't know, but I think he's probably the the biggest speed play in here. There's some others that can show some speed, but he has a, a tremendous judge of pace in Joel Rosario aboard who really will have the opportunity to kind of let him get into stride uh, as far as the pace does go. Storm the court, I would imagine, to show speed. Um, to me, maybe outside cross-border will kind of be up in the first flight. Largent has the natural speed, but there's no real kind of clear pace setter to me. And here at Gulfstream, to when I handicap envisioning the race and seeing what the speed is going to be is always my first step. So I think another twist of bait is a horse you must use based off of that. If there does end up being a contentious pace, horses jockeying for position, that's where the closers really come in. And um, I, I also very much agree about Colonel Liam. He's the one of the three Fletchers that I do like the best. Um, and yes, the waters are getting deeper and he's stepping into tougher company. I still think he ran one of the best races in the Saratoga Derby behind two grade one winners in domestic spending and Goofo, where he was wide. He finished up really, really well, um, beaten only three quarters of a length. And Trackus really tells a big story about that. So him winning the Tropical Park Derby last time was kind of that big step forward in the coming out party. But that said, with Irad Ortiz aboard and being the morning line favorite, I also agree I think he'll be over bet and may just not offer any value. The horse that I'm really intrigued by the price is the two breaking the rules, um, who finished behind Largent last time in the Fort Lauderdale, but I thought he moved a little bit too soon. And he gets back with John Velasquez aboard once again today, who I think really suits him quite well. And I think he was disappointing in the lore, but had a real excuse in the Knickerbocker and that he didn't handle the soft turf. So hoping he can kind of find some of that form once again today. Okay. So yeah, Colonial Lee, I mean, that was a four-month layoff in the Tropical Park Derby. I think that was a really good performance. Uh, I was detached early in, in Saratoga um, and ran on well, even slightly in hampered inside the final forum as well. So Acacia Coney is kind of another twist of fate. This goes quite well with my accent. And uh, 9 to 2. Um, and for exotics, we're going 8, 5, 2, and 11. Lucky loaders. What do you like here? Yeah, I thought out of the two uh, feature races on this card, I thought the turf was the more competitive uh, compared to the dirt. I thought this was pretty tricky to work out, to be honest with you. 
the one I landed on, it's already been mentioned about, was another twist of fate for Jao Rosario and Peter Miller. He's only been uh, with Peter Miller uh, for a couple of starts now. He was uh, he was previously trained by Blaine Wright. Um, so that's quite interesting that he's moved over to Peter Miller's. And since going to uh, Peter Miller's, he has shown a good level of form and he needed his uh, run, I think, uh, on his penultimate start. But when he came uh, last time out to Santa Anita and won the grade two, I was really impressed uh, with his turn of foot that day and the way uh, he went from his rivals. He's going to meet a few similar rivals to um, who he's been uh, running against uh, recently uh, with the likes of um, with the likes of Next Shares um, and that who, he, who actually beat him on his penultimate start. But he overturned that form last time out i do think that another twist of fate um i know he's at the top of the betting for a reason and he's got a good profile coming in this but i do think he, he'll go very close um from the others in the field i thought colonel liam was interesting but i just thought he might get found out at this level you know i thought i thought he might find it a, a trickier test but for me i just thought another twist of fate he comes comes in there off a good win last time out and I just thought he would go really close in what was a really competitive race of thought on paper. So Casey Pony and Lucky Loaders are keen on another twist of fate on 9-2. And Tom Collins is keen on social paranoia 8-1. to one. Make sure you're uh, loading up Betfair for that one in play. So now we move on to the Dirt at Gulfstream. Race 12, the 10.44 Pegasus World Cup Dirt Invitational Stakes Grade 1 for 4-year-old plus. Purse of $1,890,000. a big number. Um, and obviously... Next goal leads the betting at 11 to 8, who won his last three races at Keenlands. Are we with the short race favourite here, Tom? Um, I don't think so. Uh, he's going to be on the speed with Mr. Freeze. Um, they're both going to go forward uh, from the start, as Casey said, noting the speed early, especially over nine furlongs on the main track at, at Goldstream is crucial because it's a short run to the first bend. Now, Nick's goes drawn perfectly in gate four. I don't think there's too much speed inside him. Um, I think he's got enough early, early gate speed, you know, to get to the front and and make the rail, um, which Brad Cox will be very happy about because that's exactly what he did last time at Keeneland when he, he broke the track record. Um, now, Mr. Freeze is going to be forced to go forward, I think, from gate 11. Johnny Velasquez isn't going to have too much of an option out there. Um, he's not going to want to sit five or six deep on, on the bend, um, which is potentially likely with such a, um, a big field of, of horses with early, with early tactical speed. And um, I, I think then those two might get into a bit of a duel early. Now, that could be talking through my pocket because I backed a, a horse that's going to come from off of the pace. Um, but at the same time, I think it's largely realistic. I mean, Nick's go, right? This horse showed pretty pretty much not, well, nowhere near the, the level of form you would need to win this kind of race um, prior to joining Brad Cox. Now, on his last three starts, he has come on leaps and bounds. He set two track records at Keeneland over a mile and a mile and a 16th. He seems completely revitalized. Now, I know he won the Claiborne Futurity back in 2018, but Brad Cox has done wonders with this next guy, and he now looks like a, a real improver. Inside him is Independence Hall, who has the, has the tactical speed to go forward, but probably doesn't have the early dash to, to cut him off. And if Nick's go can repeat what we saw last time in the Breeders' Cup mile, then he should be the market leader. He's going to be the morning line favourite. He will be the favourite come the off. Um, but I just think he's, he's probably worth taking on, even though his recent work um, at, at fairgrounds over five furlongs in a flat minute um, was pretty impressive and, and encouraging to favourite backers. Now, looking at the rest of the field, earlier on, on this week, on Monday, um, I wrote a column for the Racing Post and I put up Code of Honour. This was obviously before the draw was made. 
Um, I thought he had a great chance of Shagam Gehi. Um, he seems to have everything everything it takes to be a Pegasus winner. Um, he definitely deserves a change of fortune as well after a couple of run-up efforts in the Kelso and, and the Clark Stakes. Um, but his draw in, in 10 is probably just enough to put me off him, um, punting-wise. I'd love to see him win. He's a horse I've got a lot of time for, um, Code of Honor. But that draw with the short run to the bend is not going to be ideal. He's, he's likely to get a wide trip. Um, so I'm going to be with Tax, a horse that I was also with in this race last year. Um, and I was very hyped about coming into the race. I, I said on, on Sky Sports again that day. Um, and I said pre-race that I was quite confident the tax was going to go very close. And then the race was over in about two strides because he stumbled from the gate. Um, and then he was just eased up. He, he wasn't given a hard time um, by Louis Sires and was allowed to just coast home. He looked after him with this race potentially in mind a year on. Now he's had largely the same um, setup around this, this time around, um, the preparation. He's had a largely patchy career tax. Um, but when he's good, he is really good. And hopefully, if Mr. Freeze and Nixco can force a contested pace early on, it might set up for him. He won the Jim Dandy um, back in his career. And, and I just thought coming into the race last year, he was the perfect horse. Like, he was the code of honour of this year, last year. Um, and it didn't, nothing worked out for him. But he was really impressive on the back of a layoff when he was last seen um, over a mile and 16th, after a seven-month layoff, that was. This is a step up from that, but he's been working really well at Palm Meadows. Um, I just think he's the value play in the race. Nixco is probably the most likely winner, but at the prices, I'd be with Pax. And Nixco's currently 11 to 8, 5 to 4 in places. Uh, that's short enough. Uh, I can maybe see that one drifting on the day. Um, the one year you signed pretty sweet on Tom, uh, Tax. And he's won with a ton in hand last time out at Goldstein over Mel Lewis. Lewis Sides retains the ride. One question I was going to ask you, did you actually think he was going to dominate? Um, we would really be able to dominate from stall seven, but it sounds like you you think he's going to take take a lead from Nick's goal yeah. and pick it up. Yeah, I think he's just going to sit in behind the speed. I think Nick's goal potentially has too much early boot for him. Um, and Louis Sides is, is clever enough to not want to get into an early battle with Nick's goal, who, as we saw in, in the Breeders' Cup last time out, he's relentless on the front end. And he will want Mr. Freeze to come from an outside post and pressure Nick's goal. Otherwise, Sides may be forced to get on the shoulder. Um, of, of the jolly, but I think he'll just sit in behind. And I, I watched an interview um, with Danny Gargan earlier in the week. I know I, I think Danny Gargan is one of the best US trainers. Um, I think his horses are under bet over here, um, especially with firms that like to price up early. And I, I have ultimate respect for Gargan and his runners. I think he's brilliant. Uh, I watched an interview and he was saying that Tax is bigger and stronger than he's ever been. Um, he's been working lights out. And that just encourages me with the fact that he believes this horse can stalk the pace and then come through late and, and beat Nick's go, who has faced, un, has faced uncontested leads the last twice. Yes, he broke the track record on both occasions, but with a bit of pressure, he might be found out in the closing stages. I'm hoping that Tax is the one to pick him up. So if something can take on Nick's go early, take a bit of that 92-401 Tax um, and running after a fall on, it could be a 6-4 chance. That's how we want to play it. Very much so. Let's hope. It's tough of dreams. Uh, so... Uh, Tom Collins is keen on tax, best friend available at 9 to 2. Uh, Casey Courtney, what do you like in this race? Well, I think Tom and I are kind of on the same wavelength with this as well. Um, I don't completely trust Nick's go, though. I think he's the one to beat far and above in this field, obviously, with his resume in his last three races. I also think kind of, as we mentioned at the beginning, that Sleepy Eyes Todd, with the inside draw, his hand is going to be forced a little bit to send, and he does have natural speed already. But Mr. Freeze, he and Bodie Express were dueling on the front end in last year's Pegasus, and he was able to to stand up with that and, and hold on to second. I just don't know if he's quite as good a horse this year 
year as he was last year, Mr. Freeze, and his hand will also be forced in a different respect from the outside. Um, tax showed a lot of speed, was quick out of the gate last time in the Harlan's holiday coming off that layup. And I got a chance to speak to Danny Gargan the other day. And he said it was mainly just because he was so sharp off the layoff. And they'd really worked a lot in the gate because he had stumbled coming out um, in last year's Pegasus. He had a little bit of trouble. He's a big, solid horse. And he really just takes up a lot of space in the gate that both ends of him are touching the gate when he's inside it. So sometimes he can be a little bit off balance at the break. Luis Salles, I think, is one of the best gate riders we have here at Gulfstream and, and in the U.S. riding colony in general. Really, really strong um, with that and getting a horse out cleanly. So I think he suits him perfectly, too. And it was it was exciting to see him staying on. So I don't think that he's going to be on the lead. I think he'll be kind of up in that first flight, but stalking the pace and sitting a really great trip. Despite the post, I am going back to Code of Honor, though. I will be using Tax. I will be using Nixco. Um but my heart just kept bringing me back to this horse. And maybe it's a little bit too much of an emotional pick. But because he's a closer, I'm going to be a little bit more forgiving about the post, though he does have to overcome a lot of obstacles from the outside. I think Tyler Gaffleon's main job right out of the gate is to drop in, get some position where he can save ground and not be caught four or five wide in the first turn like we can see happen at the mile and an eighth distance. I saw him school here the other day for Suge McGahee, and he looks the best I've seen him. He never really is the type of horse that carries a lot of condition, and he really just seemed to, to be holding good flesh. Um, he was acting well, and that kind of really intrigued me a lot in getting a chance to see him in the flesh and see him in person. At a big price underneath one that I'm going to fool around with, not really for a win candidate, but one that I think could grab a share is Coastal Defense, who I've been all along saying he's a two-turn horse. He's a big, solid son of curling. Thought he ran a sneaky good race with some trouble in the Clark last time and a sneaky good race in the Fayette, two back as well. So of the two Dale Romans, it's more him than Mr. Freeze, and I think he'll be a better price. I think Court of Honor is only five to one. Uh, or Tyler Gaffleoni, and obviously for exotic purposes, uh, Coastal Defense. There's a little bit of 33 to 1 available. Um, I think we'll need to be uh, getting on that each way before we release this one, and it's before Chris Loder <laughs> get on Betfair as well. So uh, for the exotics, Casey O'Connor's keen on 10, 4, 7, and 2. Um, for win purposes, Code of Honor, 5 to 1, best price available. Lucky Loaders, what do you like in this one? Yeah, it's interesting what you they were saying there about the pace. I thought there could be a lot of pace on early in this race and I thought it might just set up for the closers. I can see why Nick's go and obviously Tax are well up there in the market. They were both impressive on their last starts. Uh but I just thought Yeza's team, if that's how you say it, uh over there, mm -hmm. um might be the way to play here for Irad Ortiz um Junior and uh Jose Francisco de de Lanjo, if I can say that correctly um yeah this uh, horse has been running in some really good races um of late he's got some good form behind nick's go he bumped into him uh in the breeders cup and then the time before that he finished third um he finished third at uh, pimlico in the preakness stake so he's been running really well of late and making the frame at some big prices and i thought he was quite a big price in this race after the breeders cup he has had a spin round uh golf stream where he got a win under his belt so he's had a nice prep run for this and i just thought with the likes of nixco who likes to go forward tax as well uh that uh, tom mentioned just thought there could be a lot of pace up in here uh from the get-go and it might just set up uh for the closers he has been outpaced in his race a couple of times but he's still stuck to the task and has found under pressure 
And I just thought at a bit of a each way price. I think I've seen 14s out there with one UK firm. I thought that was quite a big price considering he's been running well in grade ones. And uh, I think he can definitely go close and at least make the frame. So he, he would be my selection uh, for this one. Yeah, he's all blue on uh, odds checker, Chris Loder. Um, I assume that was you. Yeah, best price available, 14 to 1. Um, I think all three of our pundits are expecting sort of a pace collapse here. Um, I did think, Jesus' team, you know, obviously this one would need a pace collapse. I mean, he was ridden much more handily last time out of Gulfstream. Too much to do and behind next, next goal in the Bears Cup, they're not like Keeneland. But 14 to 1, um, every chance. But very interesting that everyone wants to take on the favourite. Um, so obviously, the shorter the better for the Betfair exchange layers. So, um, or any other bet section, I know Tom Collins has got one. Uh, Tom Collins, you have the floor. Yeah, well, I've actually got two. I was, I was playing, I was t- tentatively thinking I won't put up the second one so I can grab a bit of the price because <laughs> there isn't any markets around at the moment. But I might, I might bring that into the, into the fray in a minute. But we'll start with the one I, I've mentioned, which is um, Fat Man in the Fred W. Hooper States is grade three. Um, it's race four on the Gulfstream card. Um, it's going to be 6.05 p.m. our time over here in Britain, 1.05 in the U.S. Now, this horse is the old man of the party. He's a seven-year-old now. He's facing his younger rivals. So it's an eight-runner field. You've got the likes of High Cal, Avant-Garde, who's a winning machine at the moment. Shivery shows plenty of pace. And Performer, who's drawn on the inside for Shug McGahey, who will be hoping for a red left today with Code of Honor um, in the Pegasus as well. So Performer will probably be favourite in the race. I haven't seen any markets at the moment. Um, there's no morning line from what I can see, um, although in case you may may prove me wrong on that a bit later. Um, but I'm going to be with Fat Man for, for Kent Sweezy and R.A.D. Ortiz. He's clearly in his prime right now, despite being a seven-year-old. His top three speed figures all came in 2020 and all at this track. So the fact he's returning to Gulfstream is a clear plus in a race that he won last year. So this looks to be the target for, for a seven-year-old fat man. I, I'd suggest he's going to be 100% and he's going to be ready to go. He came to this race last year on the back of a runner-up effort in the Harlands Holiday, a race that Tax won this time around. Um, and he duly plundered this prize really easily under Arad Ortiz with a big late kick. He ran down a horse called Zenden that day. And he's had a very similar prep once again. Um, He's warmed up for uh, this campaign in the Lafayette at Keeneland in November. Um, and then he took third in the Harlands Holiday um, back in the race of the tax one in December. Um, he traveled powerfully that day. He just couldn't live with tax in the straight. And tax is just a, a plain better horse than Fat Man at this stage. But Fat Man's recent works indicate that he's spot on. Um, and I'm just really hopeful that he can retain his crown. I'm not a huge fan of this performer. I know he didn't get the right trip in the cigar, um, the cigar mile last time out. He was held up early. He got into a bit of trouble. Before that, he, he put together five consecutive victories. He looks an up-and-coming sort, and Chuck McGay, he, as we know, brings his horses on um, race by race. But he's drawn in post-position one again, um, much like in, in the Cigar last time. Um, I just think it could be a negative for performer. Um, I just want to take him on after that performance. I know he had excuses on paper, but just not for me. It's at a likely short price. Um, I think Fat Man's the horse to take out of, me, take out of the race for me. Tom Collins sounds uh, very bullish. Uh, I think this could be one to add to the multiples on Tom Collins' selections on Saturday at Gulfstream. He's with uh, Fat Man in race four. Um, Acacia Corny, is there anything else on the card that we should uh, be adding in the multiples or any value if you found? 
Yeah, right before the Pegasus races, uh, race 10 goes as the McKnight, which is a mile and a half on turf. And we don't have uh, as many marathon turf races uh, here in the U.S. as you all do in Europe. And I love them. I love any opportunity to, to bet them. I think they're really fun to wager on. They're fun to handicap. And so I always look forward to the WL McKnight on the Pegasus undercard. And it's it's came up a really salty field again this year. And the horse I'm most intrigued by is Doswell, who's now a six-year-old, just broke his Maiden at Saratoga as a five-year-old. Um, obviously, it's taken a while to kind of get going. He did start at Newmarket with John Gosden, but I think Barkley Tag's done a sensational job with him. Um, he actually won on the first race of the day on Travers Day at Saratoga. And I remember interviewing Barkley afterwards, and he had told me that his partner and assistant trainer, Robin Smullen, she's the one that rides Doswell in the morning. She's the only one that can handle him. He's a very tricky horse in the afternoon and in the morning as well. He's a little bit hard to handle, um, and he's had some physical issues along the way, of course. Last time out in the Fort Lauderdale was the best I've ever seen him. Just mentally, physically, really seemed to be putting everything together, and he ran a huge race at a big price, and he hadn't been one of my picks, but was one that I ended up playing just because of how he looked on track at 15 to 1 um, behind Largent. So he was uh, invited to the Pegasus World Cup turf. They opted for this spot instead to run a mile and a half in the McKnight. And that 59 and 1 work on the turf up at Palm Meadows really piqued my interest as well. So I'm going with Doswell with Junior Alvarado aboard. The Spear Nap was amazing, Acacia. <laughs> I don't know about that. I, I, to be honest, haven't finished all the maiden races on the card just yet. We just drew yesterday, and um, we're, we're still racing today and tomorrow as well. So that's uh, my big task this afternoon. But he's one that I looked through and immediately was like, okay, I'm excited to bet this horse. Uh, I'll certainly be backing it after after mm -hmm. that. After some enthusiasm. So, Acacia Corny, any other bets? Race 10, Doswell. Uh, so I think 9.13 uh, Gulfstream in uh, UK time. So um, that's all we have time for in this special Pegasus World Cup episode from Gulfstream. Thanks to Acacia, Tom, and Lucky Lotus for their time. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud so you don't miss any of our latest podcasts. I hope everyone has a great weekend and gamble responsibly. <laughs>